Yo, today's QOD is there is no transformation for a victim. Here we go. Today show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got another brand new speaker on the show today. His name is Donald Miller, and I love myself some Donald Miller. He is the guy. I've been studying his work last six months or so, because as you may know, I'm starting a new business next week, as a matter of fact. That's when we launch, and I'm going to be helping health coaches with their marketing, with their copywriting, with their brand message, and the business is called Simple Clear Marketing. That's simpleclearmarketing.com. Again, it launches next week. And so I've been studying the power of story and the power of clarifying your business message. And Donald Miller does a great job teaching it. He's got a phenomenal book called Building a Story Brand. He's got another book coming out this month in just a few weeks called Marketing Made Simple. I highly recommend you pick up those books if you're in any type of business. He is the guy. Today, He's talking about storytelling and how in almost all stories, there are four roles. There's the victim, the villain, the hero, and the guide. And today he talks about how your life is probably going to play out if you accept and take on the role of the victim. There is no transformation for a victim. Here's Donald. Well, I'll tell you what I've been doing the last few years. I've been studying stories. For about 10 years, I've been studying how story structure works. I just got fascinated by it. It's so fun to study it. And I did that for a couple reasons. One, just to get started, just to be a better writer, right? To write better books and then got to work on a screenplay and then discovered that story structure really parallels life in so many ways and began to think about life as a story. And so wrote about that and started helping people live a better story. But the problem with studying story structure is, and this is a, this is a little caveat, I'm going to ruin movies for you today. I'm going to tell you how they work. Story, I know, I'm so sorry. Yeah, but I'm going to do it. And uh, stories are very formulaic, and they're so formulaic, and if you know them, you know it. So my wife hates going to movies with me, because she knows at some point I'm going to elbow her, and I'm going to point at the screen and say, that guy dies in 31 minutes, and he does. (laughs) He does. I'll tell you how Star Wars ends right now. Hold you. No, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, I love stories, and uh, I've discovered, though, as I just study stories, that there are really four major roles in most stories that you uh, go see at the movie. Four major roles, and in my opinion, I think they're the four roles that we often play in life, right? There's the victim, the victim, then there's the villain, then there's the hero, And then there's one we don't think about very often, but I think it's actually the most important role, and it's the role of guide. And if you think about it, you and I often play the victim, the villain, the hero, and the guide, not only in our life, but in a given day, depending on whether or not you've eaten lunch, right? 
And I want to talk a little bit about what roles these are because it's important. Because I think a lot of us, especially at this age, we're wondering, what role am I going to play in my life? I mean, what role do I wake up and say, this is my identity, this is who I am, this is where I fit on the planet, this is how I'm going to impact the planet, and we have a conscious decision to make, am I going to be the victim today? Am I going to be the villain? Will I play the role of hero? Or will I be the guide? And so I want to unpack a little bit of what these four roles do. The victim, the victim, if you identify yourself as a victim, uh, when the dominant thing that the victim is looking for is for someone to rescue them, right? That's what the dominant need for a victim is. They need to be rescued. And so if we are waking up every day and we're saying, man, I wish somebody would just come along and rescue me, then we are self-identifying, maybe without even knowing it, we're self-identifying as the victim. And then there's the villain, and we all know the villain's the bad guy, and the villain wakes up every day and normally what the villain is trying to do is seek vengeance. The villain has usually been hurt in some way, and they're out to get even with whoever hurt them. And so if we wake up one morning, we say, I'm going to get so-and-so because they talk behind my back. We have to be really careful. Have you ever done that? I'm going to get so-and-so because they've talked behind my back. Have you ever done that? Ever felt that? Raise your hand. Nobody. This is a really good group of awesome Christians. Yeah, yeah, we have, right? And, and we have to be careful because if we step into that too far, we're stepping into the role of villain in our life. There's the victim, the villain, then there's the hero, and the hero is doing what? Well, the hero is trying to save somebody who's a victim. They're trying to rescue somebody. They're getting up every day, and they're doing work that tries to, as the Bible would say uh, in the book of Genesis in describing the life of Joseph, trying to save many lives. And then there's the guide, and this character is fascinating, I didn't get to him at the end of this talk, but the guide is giving up their lives to try to help heroes win the day. You know, as I look at these roles, it becomes more and more important to me the older I get, because what I want in my life is really to live a life of meaning, exceptional meaning. And I think we all know when we go to a movie and you see a really good movie, you know what the sign to me that I saw a really good movie is? It's this. It's after the movie's over, everybody just kind of sits in the theater for another few minutes and lets the credits roll, right? You ever been to a movie where nobody really gets up, the credits start rolling? If it's an okay movie, as soon as it's over, you're up, right? But if it's one of those movies that really hits you, think about the last movie you saw that really hit you like that. I think about movies like The King's Speech. I think about movies like uh, Inside Out. Did you see Pixar's Inside Out? Wasn't that great? Didn't you just want to sit there for another couple minutes? And it's almost like if I had to name the emotion that's going on in my heart at the end of a really great movie like that, if I had to name the emotion, it's going to surprise you, but I think this is the emotion. It's gratitude. I feel a sense of gratitude. And it's not necessarily gratitude for the actors who are in the movie or the screenwriters or the directors and all that, although I'm grateful for them. What I actually sense after a really good story is told to me, I I have a sense of gratitude that I'm grateful to be alive. 
And the reason I'm grateful to be alive is because this story that I've just encountered has shown me that life can in fact be better, deeper, more meaningful, and more beautiful than I thought. It was like a little wake-up call of this thing that we're experiencing is really more beautiful than we've considered. And this story, if only for 10 or 15 minutes, made me go, I want to tap into that. Here's why I bring that up. Here's why. Because you are at the beginning of Act 2 of your life. You are moving into decisions about what you are going to do with your life. And in fact, you're moving into decisions about who you're going to be in your life, what role you're going to play. And here's what I want for you, and it's cryptic, but I'm going to say it anyway. I want for you someday in the future, and this moment will happen, I want for your funeral to be a bunch of people sitting around listening to the story of your life, and I want them to sit there for an extra five minutes after your funeral and feel grateful. Because you, and what you did, showed them that life could be more meaningful and more beautiful than they thought. That to me is a really good aim, a really good obligatory or climactic scene for all of us to head toward, that we would live in such a way that our story would inspire the world and give people pause and say, I think a human being can do more than we considered at first. What a beautiful story that would be. And in order to get there, because we have decisions in this process, I think we should consider these four roles. I want to look first at victim. And when we hear the word victim, we know there are very real victims in the world. The Syrian refugee crisis, all that you're learning about on campus this week, uh, people who are in situations that are so dire and so grave, whose wounds are so open and bleeding and painful that they simply uh, need and must have help. I also think there is a temptation for some of us to self-identify as victims when we are in fact not victims. Henry Cloud defines victims in this way, he says his people with no way out. I mean a real true victim is somebody who has no other possibility. So this removes a lot of the, the stuff that you and I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, like when you, when you, you get to uh, the cafeteria and they're out of banana pudding, you're not actually a victim. <laughs> Some of you are going, no, 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 you've never had the banana pudding, it's so good. No. Right? And we are so tempted to play this victim, but I want to be really careful uh, and identify this role, and, and I want to I point out some of the landmines in it for us. Uh, first of all, every human being, every one of you, is born a legitimate victim. There's nothing that you can do. You don't come out of the womb and say, I need to get a job, right? <laughs> I mean, your parents may have said that to you, but you didn't think that. Yeah, we're legitimate. We need someone to take care of us. We need someone to hold us. We need someone to feed us. We need the love and the nurturing. And God has designed this system where you and I get born helpless. It's a really humbling kind of system. But as we get older, we begin to grow from victim into something else. And hopefully it's a heroic role. We'll go there in a second. I remember uh, a point in my life, I don't know why this memory has, has never left me, but I think it was that, that stage where you're moving from, from kind of self-identifying as a victim to self-identifying as somebody whom God has given agency to. 
It, we, we, I grew up in a, a single-parent home. My dad split when I was a kid, and my mom didn't have very much money. And we used to go to—it was a big treat in my house growing up in Houston, Texas. To, I know. Awesome. To go to a place called Mr. Charburger. And it was as bad as it sounds, but we liked it. And I remember one day I'm playing around on a picnic table at Mr. Charburger, and we're getting to eat Mr. Charburger, and I fall off this picnic table, it was a concrete picnic table, and I just scrape up my knee. So, you know, basic childhood kind of injury. I'm scraping my knee, and I'm crying, and I basically ruin the family moment at Mr. Charburger. Mom puts me in the back seat, my sister's in the front seat, we're driving. And I'll never forget this. My mother looked in the rearview mirror at me crying. I'm like six or seven years old. She looks at me in the rearview mirror, and she says, Don, can you hold on for just one second? And so I stop crying. I'm like, what? And she said, crying is not going to make the pain go away. And I just remember thinking... Well, she's got a really good point there, <laughs> right? She's got a really good point. I think there's a temptation for some of us to get into this victim spiral. And if you think about being in the victim spiral, think about how much it offers you. It offers you a lot of attention, right? It offers you an excuse not to try, because if I grew up a victim, then uh, I have all sorts of excuses to not go to class today or not persevere because look at this hard thing that I have been handed. This is a deadly place to live inside of a story. And there are a couple reasons for that. In story structure, if you're writing a screenplay, there's something really fascinating that happens. The hero in the story changes. They experience a character transformation. At the beginning of the story, they're ill-equipped, they're full of doubt. At the end of the story, they're equipped, they're confident, they're making things happen. What's fascinating about the victim character in a story is they do not change. There is no transformation for a victim, which is so important to us, for us to remember that if we are truly victims, the calling is not to stay as a victim but to move out of that identity into something else. We have to transform. God designed every living thing to get stronger until it dies, to change, to be different, to be a different person tomorrow than we are today. We must transform. We are designed to transform. And what this means is, as you leave your high school and you leave your home, and all those people back home thought of you as kind of a, a lazy person or a loser or whatever, guess what? You get to change so that by the time you graduate from Liberty, you are not the person that you used to be. We are transformed, made new. Every living and healthy thing changes. And if you want to stunt your growth, self-identify as a victim. All right, that was Donald Miller. His website is storybrand.com. Don't forget to pick up his books, Building a Story Brand, as well as his upcoming book, Marketing Made Simple. And if you want to watch today's talk, it is on YouTube. It is called Donald Miller, Liberty University Convocation. That is it for me tomorrow. We got Throwback Thursday with my good friend, Mr. Jake Ducey. See you then. Peace. Peace.